everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, we're reading 1 Samuel 24. But before we jump in, I want to remind you that new Join the Journey journals are out on Amazon, full of plenty of space to write as you study and additional resources to aid you in your study. We'll put the link for both the adult and the junior journals in the episode description. All that said, yes, we are in 1 Samuel 24. If you haven't read it, pause the episode and go read. Or if you're on the move, you can download the Join the Journey app and have today's scripture read to you. A few months ago, I had the privilege of going to Engedi, the setting in which today's story takes place. Whenever we study the scriptures, we should always start with observation, asking who, what, when, where, and why questions. So where are we in today's story? Engedi. And the natural next question is, what do I know about this place? What do I know about Engedi? And if you haven't Googled pictures of it, we'll link a short video in the episode description, but think an oasis in the middle of the desert, caves that are hidden by giant waterfalls. And while I was visiting Engedi, we had quite the odd encounter. It all started when this random man asked our trip videographer to bring his wife over so he could show her something. Which was hilarious because the videographer was single and he thought I was his wife, uh, which I'm not. So from the get-go, it was a little awkward. We were all laughing. And this man brings us over about 25 yards from the bottom of the waterfall. And he has a stare at this point at which the waterfall hits the rock and bounces down. He had a stare at the falling water for about a minute. And then after staring at the water, he directed us to look at all of this greenery hanging to the left of the waterfall. And it was so crazy because when we did that, an optical illusion was created and it looked like all of the greenery was moving in the opposite direction of the waterfall. It was disorienting. Seeing the greenery move was disorienting. We should expect plants to be still. The water, of course, falls, but it looked like the vines were climbing back up the wall. It was disorienting. And in a similar way, today's story should be disorienting. We should not expect David to spare Saul's life. In fact, we should expect him to take out the guy who's been causing him to live on the run if he was ever given the chance, but he doesn't. So if this story doesn't just blow your mind, I'll be honest, complacency or apathy, as was the case with me, may be sneaking in. As David's character, his demonstration of character in this story is radically unconventional. It should disorient us by defying our expectations. In this story, it's interesting. Saul goes into a cave to use the restroom. And little did he know that David and his men were hiding from Saul in that very cave. It's almost as if David stumbles upon Saul when he's the most vulnerable. And instead of taking out his biggest enemy, while at the most vulnerable position he could be in, he just tore off a part of his robe. But it gets even more disorienting because David's impulse after cutting the robe isn't, oh man, I I should have just killed him, or oh man, I can't wait to rub this in his face. No, David is remorseful. We start reading in verse 5. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My lord, the king. 
And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Verse 9. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, what I have in my hand, it is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you've been hunting for me to kill me. Verse 12, may the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As the old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. And David's behavior, it's its just disorienting. I mean, Saul is then in absolute shock. He says, verse 16, when David had finished speaking, Saul called back, is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry. And he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me by the Lord that when that happens, you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. And again, then, we get a disorienting ending. David promised this to Saul with an oath. Then Saul went home, but David, here's the disorienting part, David and his men went back to their stronghold. They went back to the cave. Why? How do we make sense of this? He's just kind of reconciled with Saul, but now he's going back to the cave. Dr. Constable puts it like this. This chapter helps us deal with the common temptation to get even by showing us David's example of trusting God and not retaliating. It also deals with how we should view securing what God has promised us. David let God determine how and when he would become king. He refused the temptation to take matters into his own hands and thereby determine his destiny. Had he left the cave, that's what he might have been doing, taking matters into his own hand. But he knew God was in control of the timing, so he stayed back. Constable continues, We see David growing in this chapter. He began by threatening the king, but then he backed off and declined to kill Saul. Finally, he determined even to trust God to control Saul's descendants as well as Saul himself and to preserve Saul's memory in Israel. God rewarded David for his trust and obedience by giving him a peaceful conscience immediately and safety when his own son Absalom would later rise up against him. The gist? God's people live in countercultural ways, and when life gets crazy, they trust God and they keep doing things his way. They trust God, and they keep doing things his way. Trust God, follow God, tell others about him. That's all we've got time for today. But as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.